0: Welcome to Startup Confidential, what food and beverage industry players will never tell you that you need to know if you're running a startup. Let's do this.
1: Hey everybody, I have a very special guest with me. This time on Startup Confidential, he is the Howard Stevenson Professor of Business Administration at Harvard Business School. Tom Eisenman. He is also a faculty co-chair of the Arthur Rock Center for Entrepreneurship at HBS. He's been there since 1997. Poor unit economics. I mean, you talk about business model issues in your book. You had some examples of poor unit economics in the tech world, which actually I found fascinating because I just... (laughs) I think I'm just so jaded that I just assumed they all had 90% gross margin because they all have Harvard MBAs and they wouldn't be stupid enough to do anything with like less <laughs> than that. I think I actually wrote that in a blog post. I now have to go and delete it. So
0: <laughs> apparently Harvard MBAs will
1: do very low gross margin things.
0: <laughs> so the, the little, A lot of the entrepreneurs I work with counterintuitively, their economics actually get worse as they grow because there's a sweet spot, early adopters who love their product, who mm. will pay a high price, who are not Mm -hmm. expensive to serve because they'll self-provision and and sort of put up with your shoestring and bubblegum without a lot of complaints. And as you move away from that sweet spot to the mainstream, basically to get the next set of customers, as opposed to word of mouth marketing, which sort of drove the early folks, now you got to pay for promotion and advertising and so forth. You may have to discount the price. Your very growth has attracted clones and entrants and so forth. So your sector's getting so basically you're in this constant mm-hmm. price and cost squeeze as you grow in a lot of the tech businesses I said. So package yeah. goods seems to me to actually get better as you grow. I mean you get meaningful discounts in manufacturing. Yep. The slotting allowances you had to pay like crazy to get attention in the beginning, or not in the very mm-hmm. beginning, but you know, as you expand, you're doing less of that as you keep going. At least in these sometimes fabricated, sometimes real case studies at Harvard Business School, unit economics are very, very important. But they actually improve, I think, for a lot of these mm-hmm. growing food and beverage companies.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Here's the thing: in the world that I'm in, most people don't have an MBA who found these businesses. It blows me away. Mm-hmm. Now, increasingly, they have a business background. And I think that actually does help to your point earlier. But that's what I do find. They cannot manage the cash flow nightmare of being like 40% negative EBITDA for the first year or two at that tiny scale. And that's it could get, get even worse than that. The manufacturing minimums are just insane in some of these. Yeah. And they've gotten worse during their pandemic because the guy's like, I don't need your damn run rate.
0: Well, we don't teach our MBAs enough, which I think is just blisteringly important in your world mm. is working capital. Yeah. You know, it, it takes a lot of money to build inventory. And when you sell to these big folks, they're going to pay you back very, very slowly. You know, it's just, it's a squeeze in all directions.
1: Did I share in my book, the part about getting paid in four months and then getting 10% of what you thought? You were <laughs> no, I didn't see that. <laughs> but it's, it, it rings true. There's one you can terrify your students with. It's not uncommon if you do third-party distribution, Tom, to say Safeway, where they will basically book you for distributor catalog ads, trade show appearances at their trade shows. I'm talking, these are fees that are like 10, 20 grand a pop, 30 grand for ads, and then mandatory promos, which you- And cheap, they deduct that all at the, the end. So Right, you thought you sold them $250,000 worth of stuff. <laughs> And you get a check for like fifty grand. This happens all—I mean, all the time. And that's why I talk about those ridiculous ebitas that are like, oh my lord. But what I was getting at is that because food is a manufact is actually a highly technological and very slow twitch manufacturing ecosystem. Like you don't snap your fingers and get a co man to like retool a line for you. It's never, yeah, it's very hard to get happen, right? So they. Lot, I meet a lot of founders who get, they kind of get bullied into the, screwing up their formula to meet the co-manufacturer's specs, which is mm-hmm. basically code for what I can easily do for you because you don't matter to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then then on the <coughs> other side, there is, it is possible to actually slowly pilot and scale up your own thing. I know right. like 10 guys doing that. And, and it's actually, yes, it's capital intensive, but you know what? The funny thing is it totally... <laughs> it achieves one thing my book preaches, right? Which is don't scale fast. have a high growth yeah. rate, but don't scale fast because you can't possibly do it if you're building the plant yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was always, confi- um, we taught Honesty and um, they did it. They built their own factory. Yeah. And we were always completely yeah. confused why, like, why would you do that? Certainly, certainly somebody can, you, certainly you can outsource that, but there you go.
1: Here's what I want to talk to you. Here we might have to debate because I, I do like your challenge in the book which is called Why Startups Fail and available on Amazon.com right now. One of the sources of false positives you talk about is not doing really good pre-revenue market thinking. Boil down first what you talk about in terms of what is worth researching in advance versus what's worth waiting for the market to tell you about
0: your thing. So let me isolate things you can learn in advance and things you Mm -hmm. can't the things you can learn in advance are something about unmet customer needs. We got a dog walking service in the book. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to launch a dog walking service, you better spend a lot of time talking to families about how they walk their dog, how their dog gets walked, you know, how important is the trustworthiness of the stranger you're letting into your apartment. How important is their knowledge of your pets, picadillos, um, and in your mm-hmm. family's preferences? How important is flexibility? You know, both husband and wife are traveling and you know, you need somebody who can sort of flexibly do that dinner time walk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can learn a lot about and if mm-hmm. the sort of dominant mode of pet care is just these independents who sort of manage to somehow attract a, a book of business, you can find out a lot about what doesn't work mm-hmm. and and maybe about solutions that would better satisfy. So, I don't. Know, there's any question you can learn about unmet customer mm-hmm. needs when the needs are latent and people can't really articulate them because the thing you have in mind is something you've never done before. Um, <laughs> that's that's obviously tricky.
1: You hire the anthropologist, yeah. right, Tom?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so there there's a thing where you have trouble. The other two aspects yeah. of this, it's not necessarily focused on the customer value proposition, the problem and the solution, but a lot of businesses only work if you can actually execute them as an example in the book i have a couple of founders who launch an apparel company not too far from the world you live in because there's inventory and and it's a very physical thing and it turns out that and and like i think uh, food and beverage there are all sorts of specialty functions there's a, a pattern cutter there's a fabric sourcer there's quality and all of these people have to do their thing in sequence and it all has to mesh together if you're doing a startup um, with people who've never done it together before and you don't have the systems that are at an ann taylor oh, yeah. all hell can break loose so and these poor entrepreneurs had validated they actually the concept they had was young professional women have a hard time finding stylish, affordable clothing that fits well, the emphasis being the last part. You can find any two of the three, but getting all three is um, is is so uh, is a hard like, thing.
1: Uh, Lululemon for the office, that's what it's all
0: about. Maybe, yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so the, the secret sauce was a sizing scheme instead of size six or size uh, 10. They were gonna do it like men's suiting, where, you know, chest oh, yeah, size yeah, and yeah. A sleeve length yeah. and so. And they've only compounded their execution challenges now by doing it. There's a reason why women's Clothing is, isn't made like that, it's hard, and they had never done it before. And they hired a bunch of industry veterans who came out of places where I was a fabric sorcerer. I don't know anything about pattern cutting. you know. So the, the, <laughs> the, the jack of all trades behavior that you get in an early stage mm. startup, they just sat on their hands and said, I don't know how to do that, and it's not my job anyway. So right. you can't test in advance the ability to execute a complicated yeah. business. That can't be done the other thing you can't do in advance which i think is closer to where you're probably going to go is um, repurchase right you can do all sorts of clever things to sort of get figure out whether people will purchase you can put a facsimile of the product in front of them. You can put the real product in front of them, but most businesses don't work unless there's repurchase. And you just don't know until you've seen it. And, and you've seen it enough times with, with enough people in the segments you're interested in. So shame on the entrepreneur who skips the part that I said you could do, which is basically isolate unmet customer needs. And you can explore different solutions for those needs, So sort to of get feedback from customers. Again, if it's a sufficiently familiar concept that they really are able Actually, you know, it's funny you
1: bring that up because I was making some notes before this happened. And one of the things I was sitting there writing was the only part, only part of innovation work at big companies that's ever had any value that's actually been proven to like correlate to something is the servicing of an important area of dissatisfaction in the consumption of that category. And it could be really nitpicky. It could be as simple as they don't wanna spend four minutes heating it, they'd rather have it be 90 seconds. That could unleash a billion dollars, Uh something that simple. And you have to have a certain kind of interview and rapport to get that out of people. And you do have to do things like play the devil's advocate, you know, because people will, people will pretend that they're not lazy. They will pretend that they're not cheap asses. They will pretend that they're all sorts of things to a stranger. It's a And, and having done field research in India, I can tell you that America has this illness real bad, like pretending to a stranger that we're all sorts of weird things. We have no intention of being.
0: And entrepreneurs are subject to all of that. And one more thing that's even worse, I think, (laughs) than the typical corporate type, which is they can't resist the impulse to pitch right? When they should be (laughs) learning, they should be learning about the customer. They just can't resist the like, here's the thing I want to do. And here's why it's great. And don't you want it?
1: You've been listening to part one of my interview with Professor Tom Eisenman of the Harvard Business School. In the next episode, we'll be tackling more advanced topics about why startups fail, including my favorite, the speed trap. Until then, as always, be safe out there.
0: Dr. Richardson's new book, Ramping Your Brand, is available now on Amazon. Please check it out and spread the word. And don't forget also to take his founder's quiz to see if your team is ready to ride the ramp of exponential growth. You can download the quiz at rampingyourbrand.com anytime. And feel free to share your scores with Dr. Richardson anytime at james@premiumgrowthsolutions.com. At